How are we gonna steal him? <clears throat> what? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. <laughs> hey. Oh, man. <laughs> Ugh, can't even anymore. Yeah. What a treasure. <laughs> <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Since we're feeling adventurous this month, we're welcoming yet another guest to talk about one of his favorite movies. You might remember him from our Are You Afraid of the Dark episode last October. He's our good friend and fellow podcaster, J.D. Gravit. Hey, hey JD. welcome. JD. Hey, guys. Hey, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, good. good. We're happy to have you here. Hey. J JD, you're also one of our patrons, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I am. Yes. It's yeah. great. Our... The extended episodes are my favorites. You might Aww. be hearing this in the extended Aww. episode right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is like a next level extended episode. That's right. <laughs> well, we're really excited to have JD on the show today. He was the one that suggested this episode, and we thought it could be super fun to have him join us as we learned all about it. It was 2004, a day much like this. But not really. It was considerably colder. <laughs> but National Treasure premiered. Opening to mixed and negative critical reviews. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Right? <laughs> the film has an original Rotten Tomatoes score of 46. Oh, man. Yeah. It's terrible. Yep. Yeah. Brutal. <sighs> National Treasure seemed to hold the key to viewers' hearts. The movie was impossibly fun with a stellar cast that perfectly displayed the sense of excitement and adventure needed to pull off such a wacky concept. <laughs> After all, only Nicolas Cage could stoically deliver the line, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence and have anyone take him seriously. <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure is equal parts ridiculous and masterful, making it a perfect family film on a rainy afternoon. So, friends, it's time to learn all about National Treasure, a film that features a national treasure stealing a national treasure to uncover a national treasure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Robin. Robin, of course. Robin. That was perfect. Nick Cage is a national treasure. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, JD, why did you want to talk about this movie? Well, I think Robin and I had been talking, and I had thrown out the idea of doing Nick Cage November. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, see? He's because, in it. Yeah, yeah, because I love Nick Cage, and... Mm -hmm. So I, but this is yeah. one of those movies yeah. that of his that I think is just wonderful, and that like we just talked about, you know, that it what people didn't love it when it came out, and I don't know why because I think yeah. it's kind of it's like it's like part heist movie, part adventure. It's yeah. a treasure hunt. There's kind of rom com elements. Like it's mm -hmm. it mixes up so much, and yeah, I just it was one of those things. The first time seeing it, you were just like, oh, this is. Perfect. Like, this is incredible. That's, I love it. This and is then, pretty good. Yeah. And everybody else is like, no, this isn't good at all. And yeah. Like, wait, what? What did you watch? Yeah. 
it's a lot like the Goonies in that sense where there is so much in it. It's, mm-hmm. It kind of branches across so many different genres. And I know that this is a really fun movie that we probably, I don't know if we would have covered it on our own. And so yeah, I thought, yeah. well, let's do it and let's have JD do it with us because I think that'd be fun. I am actually shocked he, because I didn't know that mm. it was received so poorly. Yeah. From the beginning, I was like, this movie's great. I love it. <laughs> Everyone else definitely loves it. Yeah. So I, I'm very surprised that people don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Just some, yeah, it had bad reviews. There's actually yeah. an article on Rotten Tomatoes that says why we were wrong about National Treasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least they're admitting yeah, I think mistakes. It's- yeah. It's weird, like Nick Cage. Nick Cage did some really like weird, over the top stuff in like the eighties, and mm-hmm. he. I feel like he got like a reputation yeah. where people are like, "Oh, it's Nick Cage," and so it just like starts off like on the wrong foot for some people, which I don't get. Like I, those yeah. performances from him in the eighties, I still think are awesome. Um, but yeah, it's. I think people, for whatever reason, just see him as a leading man and don't give it the chance it deserves. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't even really... I'm watching it, and he just doesn't seem like Nick Cage to me in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's doing a really good job acting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually. <laughs> all right. So we're going to do some history, because this movie, guys, is all about history. It truly is. It really is, and it's spookily accurate. <laughs> yeah. It's You don't expect it to be so no. accurate. Yeah. The film would certainly not be national treasure without the Declaration of Independence. So before we follow the clues to the history of this movie, we're going to talk about that document's history. The Declaration of Independence is on permanent display in the National Archives with the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. It has been on display there since 1952. Wow, yep. We went and saw it. (laughs) We did. Thomas Jefferson's original draft was called A Declaration of the Representatives of the United States of America. After much deliberation and several edits to his work, the document was renamed the Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. Stay awake, everybody. Don't fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on. We're getting to the good stay, part. Stay with us. Stay with us. <laughs> One notable change was an omission of Jefferson's claim that King George was responsible for the slave trade. Many of the founding fathers owned slaves when Jefferson drafted the document, and including this accusation would have been hypocritical. To say the least. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I remember reading, there was this illustration in my history book, mm-hmm. Jefferson standing there like breaking a pencil in his hand because he's so annoyed <laughs> at all of the edits that were being made yeah. in the Declaration <laughs> of Independence. Congress approved the final version on July 4th, 1776. It was recorded by the clerk, Timothy Matlack, in Iron Gall, Inc., on parchment paper. Like they say in the film, parchment is made from stretched and treated animal skin and was commonly used for important documents. Yeah. yeah. When they stretch it out, if you've ever seen Doctor Who, it mm. looks very much like the last woman on Earth, Cassandra. Like Lady Cassandra. Oh, yes. interesting. So if you can picture me. her, yeah, where she's like moisturized. That's basically what it looks like. And then they cut out a square from that. And that's how you get the document. That's how you do it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. In the movie, they specifically say in one of the clues, Mr. Matlack can't offend or something like that. Yes. It's the clerk who wrote it on iron pen, wrote mm-hmm. it in iron ink, and all of these clues in the movie were actual facts. Yes. They did the research, guys. Yeah. Timothy Matlack was the official scribe of the Continental Congress, 
calligrapher, not writer, and to make sure he could not offend the map, it was put on the back of a resolution that he transcribed, a resolution that 55 men signed. Before Congress signed the document, John Dunlap produced about 200 copies. Only 26 copies remain today, and only one final copy with all the signatures exists. This is known as the engrossed copy, which is the one on display. It's a common misconception that the declaration was signed on July 4th, when in actuality most members of Congress began signing the document on August 2nd, 1776. Some members that signed their names were not present when the document was approved. So if they'd signed it on the 4th, there would have been a lot less people signing it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. The document is now 245 years old, and its black ink has faded to brown. The best way to preserve it would be to store it in a dark room, but it remains on display because of how important it is that everyone sees it. Yeah. I'm sure it's got some kind of like special UV protective glass on it, though, right? Yeah, I mean they're mm -hmm. they're they're doing their best. Yeah, yeah. How long did it take that guy to make 200 copies? Because <laughs> <laughs> this is like a three foot long document. <laughs> that is a good and, question. <laughs> yeah. And he had to he had to handwrite them all. Yeah. Yep. I wonder about that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So for those of you out there who somehow haven't seen this national treasure of a movie. It's currently streaming on Disney Plus. Aha. <laughs> but anyway, here's a <laughs> here's a synopsis for you. Ben Gates grew up listening to his grandfather's stories of legendary treasure brought over to America by the Freemasons. As an adult, Ben has become a historian and treasure hunter. He and his friend Riley team up with the British adventurer Ian Howe, who is also searching for the famed treasure. The hunt seemingly ends when the group discovers that the map to the treasure is on the back of the most famous document in American history. When Ben refuses to let Ian steal it, he turns to Riley and Ben. The two men decide they must take action, concluding that to save the Declaration of Independence, they must steal it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's like a little bit of like, here's some of the clues they followed. I think mm -hmm. the movie opens with them in like Antarctica or something, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're trying to find one of the first clues. And then yeah. that clue <laughs> leads them to another clue, which, mm -hmm. you know, leads them to a, another clue. And that's one of the whole <laughs> points of the movie. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he does end up having to steal it so that yeah. Ian does not steal it. Yeah, because if he stole it, he would have destroyed it because he doesn't actually care about it. Mm -hmm. He just wants the treasure, and it helps that he's British, so it's not like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, of wouldn't have he's given, of he wouldn't have given a shit about it, so, you know. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the making of the movie. Boop, 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 boop. Where's the soundboard? Where is it? You know, I'm going to just start in post adding stingers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Because Adam, I know Adam really wants to do he, that. He really. Does. I just got to get a stream deck for not a zillion yeah. dollars. Yeah, JD, as a yeah. listener, how do you feel about stingers? I like those. Okay. okay. All right. In the 1990s, producer and writer Oren Aviv came to director John Turtletaub with an exciting idea for a film. What if someone wanted to steal the Declaration of Independence? Turtletaub was a big fan of adventure films, especially capers and met with producer Jerry Bruckheimer about the idea. 
Together, they felt they could make the idea work on screen. Writers Jim Koof, Oren Aviv, and Charles Seegers worked on the story, which would change hands a few different times over the years. One of the story's most significant influences was Alfred Hitchcock's To Catch a Thief. Throughout story development, screenwriters Jim Koof, Cormac, and Marion Wibberley addressed various scripting issues. The film was initially scheduled for release in 2000, and because of the delay, the heist portion needed reworking. When the story was in its earlier stages, security for the Declaration of Independence had not been updated since the 1950s, <laughs> meaning that stealing it would not have been that difficult. However, the events of 9-11 intensified security around the document. You know, I, I understand that 9-11 had a huge impact on security, like, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. But it seems interesting that it would have an effect on just the s storing of a historic document, mm -hmm. you know, because it seems really unrelated, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they were just trying to secure the building. This would be a, a, a target because, right. you That's know, a lot of people gather here and, and there's, mm -hmm. you know, lots of, th these things are very symbolic to our country. That's and a good point. Like, you know? Yeah. So like, maybe they were just securing the building and then they thought, well, let's Might update this well. too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Let's make it, and maybe they caught wind that somebody was writing a movie about stealing it, and they were like, yeah. oh, uh, let's make it hard to steal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just in case somebody thinks that's a good idea. Yeah, in case somebody takes this literally, like, oh yeah. my gosh, there's a, <laughs> there's a map on the back. Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, talking about the writers and everything. We talk about that people didn't like this movie, but it's a totally original story. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like so often people are like, Oh, it's a franchise. It's a remake. <laughs> it's a sequel. Like all this stuff yeah. people complain about, and yeah, this is a totally original story oh. that people were like, "Yeah, <laughs> like that. that's a really like, good point." <laughs> yeah, I feel like, it, I mean, and it definitely made enough so that to justify a sequel. Mm -hmm. And the you know, it didn't make as much as the sequel. The sequel actually made more money. Mm. I mean, I remember people going to see this and being favorable for it. But yeah, the critics really didn't. Screw them. Forget about them. <laughs> Who needs yeah, them? <laughs> decide for yourself, you know? That's right. <laughs> the writers wanted to approach a classic treasure hunt from a different perspective. Usually the bulk of the adventure happens as the characters hunt for gold. This film dedicates more screen time to securing the map than the actual treasure. You know, and a, and a lot more other clues besides the map, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think there are more, like, puzzles and clues after mm -hmm. they get the, the declaration, yeah. too. Yeah. Pretty neat. Again, it, very original. Yeah. It's really about the hunt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's And I love, I love it. I love clues. I love treasure. I love heist movies. Heist yeah. movies are so fun to watch. Yes. When you've got a heist movie starting... And you got the real smart guy, like Ocean's Eleven, for example. Yeah. And he's just like, so here's how we're going to do it. When he says that, I get so hyped. I'm like, <laughs> yes. fucking yes. I'm You're about excited. to watch a yeah. montage like, of them doing the mm -hmm. heist. And show I am, me the map. I am, show me. <laughs> yes. I'm here for it. I want to see, see how this plan is supposed to work. Because then, of course, later on, it's going to be happening and it's not going to go the way they want it to. But I I right. love heist movies. They, they say that the trope is if they tell you the plan, it's not going to work. Yeah, but if it's they not going to work. But if they say something like, here's what we're going to do, and then cut away, then it will uh, work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Screenwriters and filmmakers consulted heist specialists that would give insight into how they would steal the declaration. They used this information to craft a plan that was believable enough for the film. In the film, the biggest key to Ben Gates' plan is to steal the declaration from the preservation room, where there is less protection. This storyline was a little too realistic, and the preservation process changed after the film was released, so no one got any brilliant ideas about stealing it for real. Wow. <laughs> that's wild. It's funny that it was too close. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're like, yeah, oh. you know you're you're doing a good job <laughs> as a writer. Yeah. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Directed by John Turtletob, National Treasure was shot over six months, mostly on location. Filming included shots in front of the National Archives, the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, Independence Hall, and the Library of Congress. The team wanted a realistic touch, which added a historical weight to the story. For example, there's a scene where characters Ben, Riley, and Abigail bring the declaration to the signing room in Independence Hall. Ben exclaims, the last time this was here, it was being signed. That might actually be true if they were holding the actual declaration. Yeah. I mean, which cool. we all know they were. <laughs> right. They used the real sure. document. Sure. <laughs> sure. They went realistic, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they were. I think that I love that line. I remember seeing it and going, whoa. Yeah. And yeah, like, he, cool. he gets all reverent, you know? He's like, oh, man, like the last time I was here, it was being yeah. signed. And Riley's like, Ben, a tour is coming. Can yeah, we, like, we, can gotta, we go? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. In the scene where Abigail, played by Diane Kruger, confronts Ben, Nicolas Cage, during the gala, the camera shows her walking across Pennsylvania Avenue with the Capitol building behind her. The crew shut down the entire street for the scene. Yeah. That's a pretty big <laughs> one. Have you, have you ever driven in D.C. traffic? Has anybody... Have you no, ever done I've a I've ever been in a bus. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's, you imagine them shutting it's down. It's awful. Uh, no the streets there. No. Oh my gosh. Ugh. The film crew was not permitted to film in the actual National Archives, meaning the production crew had to build a replica. It was accurate down to the inch. That's cool. So awesome. I wonder why they couldn't actually film though. Probably beefed up security. Yeah. 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 Maybe because they were like, really though, please do not actually steal this document. Can yeah. you guys seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, hey, can we film more movie there? And they're like, sure, what's it about? Mm, stealing the Declaration of Independence <laughs> I, outside. <laughs> Record scratch. Yeah. <laughs> you can film outside. I don't think yeah, so. No. <laughs> no. Of course, the Declaration prop is a replica as well. Designers made it from paper and not animal skin. The crew was given photos of the front and the back of the actual document for reference. That's they did cool. a good job. I mean, it looked really good. It was nice that they gave him pictures. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they didn't just they, have to go off they of didn't like. Have to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Google artist I mean, it's, yeah. it's 2002. They have to yeah. like walk up with their digital cameras that weigh five pounds, and they're <laughs> <laughs> three megapixel cameras. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the lights are shining on the declaration, yeah. overexposed, and you can't even read anything mm -hmm. it says. Ugh. There's a scene when Riley is filming the the declaration he's standing in like in the national archives yeah and he zooms in he is not far from the declaration at all guys and he zooms in and the the picture quality is so bad 
it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's incredibly realistic because yeah, I mean that's what it was. Yeah, at the in two thousand four or whatever, you know, obviously that's what it looked like. Also, that scene, like we just talked about, that's a set. Like I did, I did not know that was a set. I yeah. thought that was the actual National Archives, wow. and it's insane. Yeah. It's incredible, how, isn't it? I mean, it is. It how looks, accurate. Yeah. I can't imagine how much of a challenge it is to, as a set designer, mm-hmm. you know, to build something that has to look exactly right mm-hmm. because people go there all the time. And I mean, everything else is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. And it just seamlessly fits in. You just would assume that it's all the real deal. Production designers Paul Cross and Norris Spencer had two major issues to resolve. One of these was creating fictional spaces and making them fit into a film filled with realistic locations. The other was building the catacombs, which we see during the film's climax. Ooh. One of the early scenes in the film was shot on location in Utah. It involved a major explosion on the icy landscape that involved 600 gallons of gasoline and real gunpowder. Justin Bartha, who played Riley, actually caught fire. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. He said the director just laughed at him, too. (laughs) This scene also involved the interior of the Charlotte, an excavated ship. This set was located inside a freezer so that the actors would have red faces and visible breath. Yeah. So they're actually cold. Yeah. It's really like, oh my gosh, yeah. Holy Trinity Church is a real location that does have a crypt. The team was able to go and see it for themselves. To create realistic catacombs underneath the church, they visited many Masonic temples for reference. The Santa Monica, California VFX team in Asylum worked on the computer-generated visual effects for the film. They worked on 350 shots in the movie. Their most extensive sequences were the scenes that showed how the Declaration was kept safe and the dangerous shaft beneath Trinity Church and the treasure room at the end of the film. Yeah, Yeah. I I always remember that scene where they show... The declaration just disappear yeah. down into this, you know, chamber where they take it out and clean it and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But it's just like, is that really how it works? <laughs> Does it really just like turn on a no some kind of machine and just descend into the basement? It's like, wow, that's a bit crazy. I mean, that's what it says in National Treasure. I mean, that's yeah, it's gotta be that's true. Exactly right. how it happens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> After our main cast discovers a tunnel in the tomb beneath Trinity Church, they follow it to a complicated system of stairs, bridges, and elevators. Although the production team created a massive set, CGI made the shaft appear bottomless. It also added touches that made the danger feel as authentic as possible. That's awesome. I I always got a little freaked out by that part. Yeah. Going down that huge shaft because it's like, not being able to see the bottom, it's just always scary. Right. <laughs> you know? And they're on this ancient elevator. Yeah. yeah. It's oh all this gosh. rotted wood and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any second, yeah. things can go horribly wrong. Oof. Yeah, I would love to see that set. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, how much of it was actually, you know, like, just to see the whole thing. And mm-hmm. that, that'd be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah. Is there, like, a safety net at the bottom, probably? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd hope so. For that so. character that falls through. <laughs> right. When our heroes finally discover the treasure, Ben, Nicholas Cage, lights a trough that reveals a deep cavern of unbelievable wonders. 
The SFX team combined over 100 elements to bring this scene to life, including a miniature of the treasure room shot at one-sixth scale. All right. Yeah. Love miniatures. Yeah. Heck yeah. I did not know there were miniatures in this. Yeah. They shot a miniature of the treasure room and composited the actors into the room. Mm-hmm. Nice, man. Yeah. Pretty It crazy. looks really good. It does. They did an amazing job. Yeah. Some of us might roll our eyes when talking about the historical accuracy of a Disney adventure film. Still, the creative forces behind this movie wanted it to be as true to history as possible. In many ways, they succeeded. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer was a driving force for the realism of the film. One real-world element of the film is the concept of treasure hunting. Of course, some real people have dedicated their lives to finding treasure. For example, Mel Fisher was a treasure hunter known for discovering the Nuestra Señora de Atocha, a famous Spanish treasure galleon. Wow. Yeah. That sounds important. Yes. <laughs> galleon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Galleon's a really big word. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's say they use that in the Goonies, too. I believe they call it a galleon. Yes, they do. Yeah. They call the Inferno a galleon. Yes. But what about the other pieces of the film? The connection between the Founding Fathers and the Freemasons is true. Freemasons date back to medieval times, making it the oldest fraternal organization in existence. George Washington was the head of the Masons in the New World, and nearly half of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were Masons. They're not exactly a secret organization, though they do have secret rituals, and their symbols do appear on American currency, as the film suggests. Man, that's yeah. so cool. I love that that part's real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it sounds like the weird made up part, you know? Yeah, the, yeah. The like yeah. deep conspiracy secrets. Oh, the treasure is real. Yeah. You know, with, but having any of it be like actually real yes. is yeah. super cool. You know, in the beginning, in the very beginning of this movie, when Christopher Plummer is telling the story, they fade from his face to the pyramids. Mm -hmm. and they do it so that his eye is the last oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And so there's a shot where his eye is over the pyramid, and then it fades into, yes, the, into the scene. Perfect. Yeah, they do They do this like little symbol of the all-seeing eye, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever, and then, yeah. I think it's it's really smart, too, because, like, if you're, especially if you're younger watching this movie and you go and, like, pick up a dollar bill, mm -hmm. like, the things that they're saying in the movie are true. Like, yeah. the symbols that you're going to see are real so it adds that level of authenticity when they're talking about things that are verifiable yeah you know it makes it, it makes it feel like well maybe this could be real like yes it's a movie but who yeah. knows like did like has anyone really ch like have they checked the back of yeah the like i mean did they <laughs> like, just did to they make get sure the lemon juice yeah, like did like, they you know, yeah did yeah. they give it a shot we yeah yeah, just try. I yeah, because you're a kid and you're like, there's no way that's true. And you look at your dollar and you're like, oh my God. It's all it's true. true. But then like, why yeah. is that there? Yeah, you yeah. get your water bottle and look at it closely to see the time on it. <laughs> yeah. The time is correct. Well, only yeah. if you have a $100 bill. Though. Oh, you're right. Yeah, as a kid, you don't have a $100 yeah. bill. <laughs> at least I didn't. Unless, you know, I mean, who I mean, knows? You know. Kids these days Wait, in their it, fancy jobs. Is it still on the new 100 because I haven't looked oh, at a new hundred. Like, well, yeah. like the hundred has changed a lot because it's the most counterfeited. I think um, so. They changed yeah, it constantly. Changed it. Yeah. Um. I, is I. I think the clock tower is still on it, huh. but, but I'm not sure. I, I don't I, know. I have to look at one. JD, can you open your wallet and pull out a hundred for us? Yeah, sure. I'll I'll look through my abundance of hundred dollar bills and oh, let you know. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> 
The film also references the Knights Templar, formed in Jerusalem in 1118 CE to protect Christian pilgrims after the First Crusade. Legend has it that the knights uncovered a treasure beneath King Solomon's temple and slowly transported it back to Europe over 200 years. Afraid that the group was becoming too powerful, the King of France ordered many knights to be captured, tortured, and executed. Many escaped to Scotland and joined the Masonic lodges. Some believe they held treasure at Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. National treasure suggests that this treasure was brought to the U.S., giving us the film's premise. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool, man. I yeah. wonder I wonder if how much of that like, you know, it's all just speculation, mystery yeah. theory, but yeah. like I how much of it is real? I mean, cuz they point out the fact that they brought their symbols everywhere they went yeah. and they brought them to America. So, mm-hmm. if they brought those symbols and all that history with them, why not a treasure? Many other historical facts rattled off by our lead character are true. At the beginning of the film, the characters come across a clue that states that 55 people signed the Declaration of Independence. 56 people signed the document, but the last person did it in 1781, which would have been after the clue was written. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer wanted to add a scene that explained this, but it didn't fit into the final cut. As a result, many audience members took the line to be a mistake. Oh, yeah. see, I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah. I, but I didn't call it out just because I wasn't paying that close attention, I guess. <laughs> but I didn't know that there was another signature that long after. Yeah. That's very yeah. strange. We've discovered why everyone hated the movie. <laughs> there, oh, it is. there it is. For this it was... one little perceived historical inaccuracy. <laughs> one of the less realistic moments in the film is the gala held at the National Archives. Generally, no food or drink is permitted around such essential documents. I kind of believe yeah. that. <laughs> it seems like an odd place to have a party like that. Yeah. 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 Now, of course, the treasure itself at the end of the film is fictional, but the story itself relies on American history, which is impressive. Oh, so, JD, do you have a favorite scene or scene that you thought that they did exceptionally well? Yeah, I been thinking about this and i actually watched national treasure a few hours ago Ah, (laughs) i think my favorite scene is probably what i think of as the dueling heists so where you have ben and riley doing their heist but then you also have ian and his team simultaneously performing their version of the heist and you're cutting back and forth between them and it's not 100% clear who's going to get there first. And, yeah. and it's like Robin said just about heist movies. It's those montages. Like you're getting those little <laughs> yeah. moments kind of montaging back and forth and Ben's being over the top and <laughs> getting fingerprints and, you know, doing crazy things, figuring out passwords. And and yeah, I just think it's it's really, really well done. So yeah. that's probably the scene mm-hmm. to me that I like the most. Yeah, I love that part, too, because I love that Riley's technology is not foolproof. <laughs> you know how in yeah. a lot of yeah. these shows and movies are just like, like zoom in, zoom in, enhance, you know? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, and here we see hangups and issues, you know, like he gives him all the letters that are on the, that are the password. They know all the letters that mm-hmm. are the password, but they don't know what the password is. Yeah. And the password's Valley Forge, but it, his computer program is not coming up with that no. because it's not accounting for double letters. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know a computer would I, do that. Yeah. I also think at, at one point, if I remember correctly, when Ian's group comes in, they like cut a wire that cuts out yes. one of Riley's cameras, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, so they the, do. Yeah, he loses he loses all his cameras. Yeah, yeah. he loses visual. Yeah. And then that actually reminds me of it, it leads into one of the scenes that I think is very funny that I always laugh at when it comes up is when he's got the actual declaration tucked <laughs> in his jacket, right? And he's yeah. trying to leave yep. and he gets noticed by that like gift shop clerk. Yes. Like, yeah. Are you going to pay for that? So, you know, it's honestly, funny, he didn't though. really steal the declaration. He paid $35 he paid for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but. One thing that I love that they don't like reveal till later is that he bought a second one. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know because then they he ends up like giving the fake one to Ian when he's like yeah forced to give it up right. Mm-hmm. So it's like smart. And Riley thinks it's genius until <laughs> until they catch him. Because yeah, he until used he used a credit card. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also like the end where Riley reveals like what he did with his cut of the treasure. Oh, and he's yeah. just got a really nice car. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I would do, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but or he's still complaining. He's like, Yeah, me yeah. with my one percent. Like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. That is funny. The juxtaposition yeah. of him complaining while he's getting into his really nice car. Yeah. I think Riley's comic relief is probably my favorite part of this movie. Oh yeah. yeah. It is spot on. <laughs> yeah. Actually, whenever I, I've seen this movie a few times with my family, and what my mom always cracks up most when Riley finally gets one, right? He has that one yeah. with, when they yes. think they've missed it, but he's like, oh, daylight savings time wasn't established. And, you know, it's like, yeah. but before he, say, before he tells them all, I was like, wait, you don't know what I'm about to say? Oh, yeah. I just, yeah. Let me just take this, this moment. Yeah, this like, feels really and good. And they're like, hurry up, yeah. tell us. This is what you feel like all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You don't know this? I, I know something about history that you don't know. I'd be very excited to learn about it, Riley. Oh, hold on one second. Let me just... I'm just taking this moment. This is... This is cool. Is this how you feel all the time? Because, you know... Except for now, of course. Riley! All right. So, let us continue on. <laughs> Got some stuff to say about the music in this movie. Trevor Rabin scored this film with a beautiful blend of orchestral and rock influences. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. <laughs> Love rock. It's got to be that way for a heist. Absolutely. Yes. His father was a first chair violinist in the Johannesburg Symphony Orchestra, and his mother was a talented classical pianist. Oh, man. Yeah. He's got a lot to live up to. <laughs> Trevor himself became a big rock star in his own right. The director, John Turtletaub, said that the rock sound was perfect for the chase scene. Trevor is also known for scoring Remember the Titans. Another stro- stone-cold yeah. classic, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, uh, yeah. we watched that one quite a bit. Huh? We sure did. We sure did. Remember the Titans and Cool Runnings. Oh, yeah. I can't tell you the number of times in school the TV got wheeled out as kids <laughs> back in the day. They had big TVs on carts with DVD players yeah, and they had to yeah, into yeah. the classroom. All right, let's talk about starring now. All right, first up, we of course have Nicolas Cage as Benjamin Franklin Gates. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious that he's called Benjamin Franklin. Franklin yes. 
National Treasure was Nicolas Cage's fourth film with Jerry Bruckheimer. He was concerned that many of his lines would not come off naturally, as he was often rattling off memorized facts. He reportedly asked for the greatest actor ever to play his father. So the role of Patrick Gates went to John Voight. <laughs> All right. That, yeah. John Voight had a, a couple of interesting years at this point because he, he did this movie and then he did Holes. Very different characters. Yes. Both fantastic, though. Oh, yeah. He did you. amazing. Oh, he's, an, yes. he's an amazing character actor, yeah. for sure. Voight noted that Cage liked to be silly on set, keeping up creative energy. He was excited to do the role and be in all the historical locations. Cage was also known to ad-lib a lot of his lines. The writers never wanted Cage's character, Ben, to carry a gun. He needed to seem resourceful and be a direct foil to the antagonist. I, I think that's perfect, though, having him. He has to be the smart one. He has to be the one thinking about history a yeah. lot more and not relying on this physical object that could possibly mm -hmm. get him out of whatever situation. Right, and they really wanted that, that scene, especially when they're both going after the declaration, mm -hmm. and Riley hears the gunshots. Yeah. He says, is that shooting? Who's shooting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was like, Ian... Ian was shooting, yeah. and he said, I hate that guy, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a yeah. very, you know, aggressive. Yeah. I, I think it shows also really well how they're not in it for the their, the money, the treasure. Mm -hmm. You know, they're purely in it for the just knowledge and the just finding The it. success, the su yeah. Yeah, the success, the excitement of the hunt, whereas Ian's, like, got this gun obviously wanting it for himself yeah he yeah. wants he wants how much it's going to be worth mm -hmm. and he doesn't really value people's because, lives like he'll, yes. he'll kill them if they're yeah. in the way yeah. mm -hmm. because they end up donating pretty oh, yeah. much all of it right mm -hmm. by the end next we have diane kruger as abigail chase when kruger did a screen test with cage he seemed a little off his game she brought the kind of dynamic that they were looking for and she got the part Kruger also did a lot of her own stunt work, including a scene where she hangs off the back of a van. She said that she was so sore from the scene, she had to take a week off from filming. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and she's also appeared in Inglorious Bastards. Next, we have Justin Bartha as Riley Poole. When test audiences saw the film, there was an overwhelmingly positive reaction to Bartha's scenes. So, the editors went back through all the footage and added more of his character to the film. Bartha felt the audiences resonated with his character because he represents the everyday person in these impossible situations. Yeah. <laughs> he, he gets to yeah. be the audience character, so yes. it's perfect. Yeah. 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 I, we were just talking about how he, he was reveling in that moment, and mm -hmm. I'm like, I would be the same way. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh. I know something. Yeah. You don't know? What? I think Marcy <laughs> wants to do that to me all the time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. She looked right at me oh, when man. she said that just now, so that's how I know. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's exactly what I would do. do? Looks at me. Okay. <laughs> Bartha has also appeared in The Hangover. Next, we have Sean Bean as Ian Howe. Sean Bean has been in many other projects like Game of Thrones and Wolf Walkers. But he doesn't die in this film, despite the joke that his character always dies. Yep. <laughs> Props. They did yep. it. 
John Voight as Patrick Gates. Voight joined the production later than the other actors. He was initially going to turn down the role, but when he told Jerry Bruckheimer how he would have played Patrick Gates, they knew they couldn't cast anyone else. Yeah. What an interesting... I'm not going to take it, but here's what I would do if I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, JD, do you have a favorite character? I do, and I have a feeling that this might be a shared sentiment. Uh, <laughs> but I I think I have to choose Riley. Yes! Okay. Riley's yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah. The comedic relief. I think I think about that first scene when they're on the boat and they're trying to figure out the clues and Ian's henchman like says prison. And Riley's like, snorkel. <laughs> See, I can do it too. I can do it too. Or when Ben is stealing the declaration and he's like, I'm just going to take the whole thing. And he's like, well, uh, uh, is it heavy? Like, he just has these little moments that are so perfect. Yeah. And again, it's that he, you would think that. You, yeah. Your brain is like, wait, you're doing what? Who? Wait, is it heavy? Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's this perfect little like who wants comedic to, moments. Yeah, who wants to go down the dark and <laughs> creepy yes. cavern first? Yeah. Right, yeah. When they get into the, like, the catacombs under the where the treasure is, but they haven't gotten to the treasure yet, mm-hmm. and they think they're stuck down there, right? Yeah. Until they finally figure out the last piece, and, and it opens up, and then... They're all like, wow, look at this amazing treasure, all this history. Like, like she's checking out the scrolls and it's like, oh, this is incredible. And then Riley's just like tearing up and they're like, what are you crying about? And he's like, look, stairs. <laughs> and they're like yeah. crumbling and awful yeah. looking. Yeah, but it's just a way out. And that's like, all he he's cares so about. so happy that they can get out. Yeah. <laughs> There's this really minor character in the movie that I love. She's working at like this kind of subway like sandwich bar <laughs> and when they're <laughs> when they're running from Ian's henchman yes. Abigail hops over the counter and she's like oh, you don't yeah. belong here oh, yeah. unless you're unless you're me yes. or whatever like you don't belong here and she was like I'm hiding from my ex-husband and this woman immediately is like oh oh stay as long as you like yeah <laughs> she's I, like, I, yeah. is it this guy yeah <laughs> Yeah, this shady looking. Yeah, and she yeah. totally protects her. She's like, you know, like, can I help you? She's, I see why you left him. I, lo- <laughs> I, I, I love it. Yeah, I it was- forgot about that part. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> I mean, if if she was being chased by yeah, if you're being chased by man, a man, I'd be like, stay yeah. as long as yeah. you need. Yeah, especially a scary looking dude. Here's, Do you need me to call the police? I was gonna yeah. say, here's my phone. <laughs> yeah, call somebody. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I also really like Voight's character as well. Mm-hmm. He he plays a really good father. Yeah. The skeptical, like, I've been through this for years and, you know, nothing's come of it. It's all just a farce. Yeah, you know, their relationship is very interesting. You know, yeah. when he shows up at the house and he's like, I'm in trouble. He says, oh, is the woman pregnant? <laughs> Which yeah. is such a yeah. rude but totally, like... Strained dad relationship thing to ask. Yes, like, he invites them in though, and he's like, "Here, have some pizza. Make yourselves comfortable." Like he actually yeah. he's nice to them. He is. Yeah, you know, he doesn't turn them away. Yeah, or... he, he doesn't hate Ben. He's just yeah. tired of Ben chasing something that he believes is total nonsense. Yeah, yes. even though he comes to him with like new clues, and he's like, "Great." And then there'll be another. Yeah. And then yeah. there'll be another. another. Like he yeah. just doesn't believe that there will be a treasure at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but it's not like he's he hates Ben for doing it. He's no. just right. honestly more worried about it. It's like, Ben, you should be doing something yeah. productive, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and, I mean, to be fair, that the secret lies with Charlotte clue is given, like, <laughs> 150 <laughs> right. years before this movie takes place. And it's yeah. given to the Gates yeah. family. We don't know how long that... So, it's been very unsuccessful up until this point, And now in this few day span, they kind of bounce out a lot of, a lot of clues. So to be fair, he's seen probably six generations of his family toil over one clue this whole time. I think what does it is because they had been stuck with that clue. The secret lies with Charlotte the whole time. And then Ben comes to him and is like, we found the Charlotte. And he's yeah. like, boom, treasure. Where's the treasure? Yeah, yeah, where is it? But turns out it was just more clues. So he's like, uh-huh. oh, great. Another five generations right. <laughs> of just this, the next clue. Yeah. So. so how was this film received? National Treasure opened on November 19th, 2004 to mixed reviews. Ugh. <laughs> Audiences, however, disagreed, and the film swiftly became a treasure because it stayed at the top of the box office for at least three weeks straight, ahead of Christmas with the Cranks, the Polar Express, and the Incredibles. Oh, yeah. all right. So when I say the first two, I'm like, hmm, yeah, beat out mm. those ones, okay. But then it gets to the Incredibles, and I go, ah. Uh, okay. Hey, now. All right, hmm. I see it now. Hey, now. <laughs> okay. Don't hate too much on Tom Hanks' train time. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I actually really like Polar okay, Express. Okay, no, I really like the Polar yeah. Express, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying. True. <laughs> In 2007, Disney released National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets. This film received an even worse critical reception. No. But made over $100 million more than the first film. Over the years, there have been whispers of a third installment to the franchise, but it seemed the studio has been dragging its feet. In an interview with Collider, John Turtletop said, The script was close, but not so great that the studio could say yes but it's been good enough that the studio could have said, yes, keep going, get closer. Even after all this time, there are still firm hopes that a third movie is on the way. Looper posits that it will release in late 2022 or early 2023. Wow. I'd be surprised, honestly, if we haven't heard any whispers of it. Yeah. Yeah. The second one was about the end goal, the treasure was the city of gold, right? Mm. What is another like famous treasure? I mean, I guess they could. I well, guess they could it make it up like they did in the first one. Yeah, it wasn't El Dorado. It was Cibola. Yes. Yeah. Ah. This one also revolved around Abraham Lincoln and his assassination. I I think the second one is good and it's a lot of fun. I think it gets a little bit less realistic, which yes. I think is where mm-hmm. some people. I mean, it still it has those tie-ins to the Lincoln assassin. You know, it starts off very historical and then. Everything that they're doing when they get to Mount Rushmore and they're going over to Europe and it just it it's on a much grander scale that I think makes it feel a little bit less yeah yeah real than the first one does. It really like especially if you watch them back to back. The first one, there's this painstaking attention to detail and, and historical accuracy, mm-hmm. and then when you watch the second one and you just feel. Like, yeah. you know, they had to make up a lot of this stuff. That could yeah. be why they're struggling with the third one. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. yeah. All right. So, JD, when did you first see this movie and what did you like about it? I think I probably didn't see it until it was on DVD just because I don't 
remember a theatrical experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this would be a memorable theatrical <laughs> yeah. experience. Um, and I, but I just remember, you know, just loving it immediately because I, I've always been a big fan of Nick Cage. So seeing him, <laughs> you know, as the lead, and I think that that opening scene on, you know, when they're finding the Charlotte, it really sets everything up perfectly because you get a lot of that sarcasm from Riley. You know, his introduction is some guys like, you know, why would a boat be in the middle of Antarctica? And he's like, oh, it's not like I'm an expert or anything and just like rattles off all this scientific <laughs> fact about yeah. why he knows it is there. <laughs> and and then you get the adventuring and, you know, and Nick Cage is finding the pipe and they're immediately into solving clues you know so it throws you right in so well that you're kind of immediately engrossed and, mm-hmm. and i guess that's not even the first scene the first scene is with christopher Plummer telling oh the yeah. story mm-hmm. of the treasure uh, and that too it's kind of like that it just sucks you right in and so i think it just and it is it's a heist movie an adventure a treasure hunt it's all those things mixed together so i think it was kind of one of those things where the first like it kind of ends the first time and you're like uh can we watch that again <laughs> like can 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 we just press play like yeah because i think it just it's it's so fun and there are so many little details and things that you know now i've seen it dozens of times so i know mm-hmm. them all but i think especially those first few viewings you're really still picking up on things yeah i, I love how the story starts you know with just this young boy in the attic and you know, this idea that there's just this remarkable story that is hidden away and just, it, you know, all he has to do is climb up on a shelf and grab the right box, you know, <laughs> and his grandpa's like, oh, hey, well, fine, I guess it's time I've told you this intense family secret that you've never heard of before and it, it will change your life. It will mm-hmm. alter the course of your career. You will spend the next 40 years looking for this, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it is really cool. It's a, you know, I love Christopher Plummer's voice too. In the beginning, it's just awesome. I went to Media Play and bought the DVD for my sister. <sighs> yeah, I, I remember we watched all the special features and all that stuff. I don't remember when I actually saw it the first time because it was that long ago. I, I really don't remember if I saw it in the theater or not because really, what was memorable was just how many times I'd seen it with my family like all of us really like this movie (laughs) and we've all watched it together if it was on tv we watch it or or i'm sure we've got it on dvd somewhere i have always really liked history in general i mean after going through school for as long as i did (laughs) you get a little bit tired of american history at some point right especially Mm -hmm. when you're like you just had western civilization class Mm -hmm. the year before and you're like that was so cool learning about the romans and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then you go back to american history again and i'm like you get tired of it eventually Mm -hmm. but this like super glorified perfect world version (laughs) with all of the really cool bits like you know how they related to real life stuff Mm -hmm. i i that is really cool because i was into history and seeing this real history be put into a movie that took you on such an adventure was always really appealing. Yeah. I idealistic is a good a good way to describe it too. Yeah. Because it is it is kind of like 
that, yeah, history's cool. Let's mm-hmm. not talk about any of the bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I definitely see what you're talking about. <laughs> so next, as we do sometimes in our episodes, we've got a section with bits that don't fit anywhere else. So they're in this bit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the film's first cut was almost four hours long including a deleted scene where Riley and Abigail run through an empty strip club in the afternoon. According to Turtletob, most Jerry Bruckheimer films include a strip club at some point, but the scene was eventually cut. Yeah. Many have scoffed at the chemistry in the film, like when Ben and Abigail use lemon juice to uncover (laughs) invisible ink. In the audio commentary, John Turtletob and Justin Bartha were adamant that this would work. Yeah. Mm. Maybe. In the film, the characters uncover a set of glasses that reveal another hidden message on the map. The actors had to stare at a blank piece of paper for these scenes and pretend they saw something extraordinary. Ooh. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) That's what acting is all about. Oh, yeah. Eddie Yancic was Nick Cage's stunt double. In one scene, when Cage seemingly jumped into the Hudson River, the crew threw sandbags into the water to make the splash. When he jumped in Cage's place, Yancic was hooked up to a decelerator and yanked backward before entering the water. Later on, the antagonist Ian has a line wondering how Ben survived the fall without any injuries. This may have been a nod to the fact that he likely would have died if he made the jump in real life. Yeah. Much like the Goonies, some of the close-up hand shots were not the hands of the main actors. In one shot, the hands were director John Turtletob's hands. Yay! Yeah. That's what I've learned from this podcast. If there's a close-up of hands in a movie, yeah. they are not the actor that you think they are. Yeah, nope. That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think the movie, like, in terms of Disney live action, what do you guys, like, where would you rank I this movie? I think it's one of my I was going to say, I think so, yeah. too. I think it's top. Yeah. Like, top stuff, mm-hmm. because Disney live action is pretty hit or miss, mm-hmm. at least early poop. on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but this sure one, this one I love. Pirates of the Caribbean, I like more than this, but mm, I, mean, true, I true. mean, but you can't beat skeleton pirates. No. Right, right. It's impossible. There's yeah. no way to beat that, so yeah. it's really okay. <laughs> But yeah, this is one of the best ones I think they've ever done. Yeah, especially I agree. for as an original concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Oh yeah. So what do you think, JD? You might have guessed this based on the fact <laughs> that I'm guessing on an episode about National Treasure, <laughs> but I think I would have to put it at the top. I mean, at least very near the top or yeah. among the top. I mean, I just think like we talked about already. You know, it's a completely original story that's being told which i think is especially coming from disney is kind of unique they're great at retelling stories and adapting stories and and i think that's i i have nothing against any of that you know i think remakes and reboots and all that stuff like those are great and they're you know a fun (laughs) necessary part of entertainment but i think when you can find something that's wholly original i think that is really special and i think it just it does such a good job of kind of bouncing between genres and you know having a little bit of heist movie a little bit of adventure the treasure hunt the romance the comedy you know it it (laughs) hits on so many of those notes 
where I think, again, you know, Disney can have a little trouble with that sometimes. You know, yeah, if yeah. they're going to do a live action family drama type of thing, it, it's going to be really sad and it's going to be starting off with like a pet dying or a parent <laughs> is sick or something like that, you know, and that's true. And I think National Treasure manages to stay pretty much like happy and upbeat the whole time. Like, yes, there's some like tense moments and, you know, you get like something bad might happen to the dad or might happen to, you know, Ben and his crew while they're doing things, but nothing ever actually does, which I think is another kind of notch in its belt in terms of why I think it ranks up really high because it just, it really is a movie that you can watch with your whole family that you can put on over and over and it's not going to have those down moments that a lot of Disney movies do. A lot of them do have that. <laughs> so it's really nice that this movie doesn't yeah. do that. Disney is very intense about not failing and, and very intense about making money off of every project. But for some reason with live action, they've always taken more risks. Yeah. I think Disney, like, especially once they hit that, you know, golden age of animation mm-hmm. in the 90s. It's like, you know, it's set up like an expectation that you have for Disney animation. And like Disney animation really is the brand. Like if yeah. you say to someone, what's your favorite Disney movie? Like regard- <laughs> like even me, regardless of how I feel about National Treasure, that's not even really going to come to mind for me. It's a lot harder for them to experiment in that side of it because the expectation is literally as high as it can possibly be yeah I think it's crazy too because you think i mean none of it's cheap to do obviously the animation yeah just because it's animation is not cheap um but i think you look at like the budget for national treasure and national treasure 2 and the pirates movies like it's not like they're saying hey let's experiment in live action and <laughs> not just go completely all out because those movies have huge budgets, um, but I think it also it reflects in the quality of them. And but it's a lo- it's lots of fun to do something original, and this is a great original movie. National Treasure may not be a groundbreaking film, but it achieves what it set out to do. This movie is entertaining from start to finish. It has an exciting premise, a likable leading man, several thrilling chase scenes, and honest connections between characters. National Treasure is the kind of movie you'd take your kids to see at the Dollar Theater on a hot day or throw on the TV when you're stuck inside from the rain or the snow or the heat. No matter how snobby or highfalutin our taste in cinema may be, there will always be a need for movies like this one. These films allow us to turn off our cynicism for a couple of hours and imagine something as unbelievable as stealing one of the most famous documents in American history and using it to find buried treasure. If you let them, silly movies like this can make you feel like anything is possible. And that is a treasure all by itself. Oh. The treasure was with us all along. Yeah. We were the treasure. (laughs) That's right. So uh, I guess that's another case closed. (laughs) Woo. Well, JD, thank you so much for listening to our show and supporting our show and coming on and talking to us. We really appreciate it. We love talking to you and about you (laughs) all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that you want our listeners to know about you? Is there any socials you want them to go to or 
Yeah, sure. So, I mean, first, thank you guys for having me and for making the podcast. Obviously, <laughs> it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, and it was one of those things where the back catalog kept me going during the height of the pandemic and <laughs> lockdown and everything. So it's, oh, I'm so glad it's always fun to get to talk to you guys and, and to get to actually, you know, be on an episode Yeah, is awesome. Um, so I really appreciate that. But I mean, my main social media is Twitter. You know, I have an Instagram that I'm on occasionally, um, but I really don't use it. But the Twitter is just at JD Gravit. That's where I spend most of my time just talking about movies and random stuff there. And we'll include that in the blog as well. Heck yeah. I'm in the works on doing my own podcast. Um, it's called Not the Original, the remake, reboot, and sequel podcast. So it's going to be you know me just sitting down with friends talking about remakes, reboots, and sequels that don't get enough love. So... That's not to say that I don't like love Back to the Future Part Two or Scream <laughs> Two. Like those are great movies, but everyone kind of agrees that yeah. they're great movies and they get <laughs> talked about. So the idea is to to talk about movies that don't get talked about enough. Like, you know, I think Robin and I have talked about <laughs> doing an episode on the Chamber of Secrets. Because oh. for some strange reason, <laughs> People hate that movie. They really do. I don't know why. I, I But it's like <laughs> uh, among Harry Potter fans and it's like this, everyone just always ranks it last. So yeah. we thought that would be fun to talk about. I've got another friend we've talked about doing a very Brady sequel. Oh um, my. <laughs> shout out to Michelle. Yeah. Because that was one of my favorite weird kind of terrible movies growing up um, and just... Yeah, so it's just meant to be fun. Yeah. Um, talking about movies you love that not enough other people love. So, I mean, that I'm hoping to start releasing episodes sometime in September. Um, I'm working on building up a bit of a back catalog right now. So, look for that. Okay. Um, there's a Twitter for that, which off the top of my head, I don't remember. <laughs> but I'll share that, you know, via my Twitter once it gets close to actually um, launching. So, okay. the, those are the things to look out for from me. Cool. Well, thanks, JD. I'm excited. That's going to be a good show. <laughs> the more you talk and Adam, about it. And Adam did my artwork. So oh. you get to look forward to more wonderful <laughs> art from Adam. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much to everyone else for listening. Thank you, JD, for joining us. And before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, Anthony, Shelley, Linda, Bob, and Carlos, and of course, JD, JD, who joined us this time. So thank you. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary if you want to just give us a, a little popcorn money. Give a little bit. And we want to thank all of you that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, donating, or reviewing. Anything helps. Yes. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And uh, yeah, don't steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yep. Don't yep. do it. Blackcasediaries.com. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See ya. What was the secret? A treasure. A treasure beyond all imagining.